Today, Pastor Javen continues this series, First Comes Love, where we are looking at what singleness, dating, and marriage looks like for those who follow Christ. Today we will see that the dating game doesn't have to be something that's messed up or complicated. And the dating game should never end when we get married. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. Last week we started a series called First Comes Love. And uh, we are saying we're looking at um, the aspect of singleness, dating, and marriage from the mindset and the scope of a follower of Christ, right? We said that we want to, you know, we, we know that God has a design, God has a plan, and we want to do everything we can, the best we can, to follow him and pursue him in every area of our life. And this is a huge, important area of our life. If you're not a follower of Christ, I just encourage you to, 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 to stay in and lean in with us in this topic to understand, and hopefully you'll see that we don't come from a, an outdated uh, uh, rules and regulations when it comes to these types of things. Uh, God's not out to steal our fun, all right? Um, but we believe that God gives us a design that protects us, keeps us whole, keeps us healthy for ourselves and for the relationships that we have in our life. We did say that through this series, uh, because of the nature and the topic, the three-letter word that begins with S will come up. Uh, so if you have little ones, younger, elementary, that kind of younger than that, and they're in here with you this morning, if you're not ready to answer that question, what is that? Uh, you know, we have a great children's ministries environments next door. Our ushers in the lobby will be glad to walk with you and lead you over there. Uh, I think you might like that they're there today. So anyway, and, and, and next week. And, but anyway, all right. So last week we, we hit the, the aspect and we talked about the, the, the idea that no matter what season we're in, whether we are single or we are married, that season is a good season that God has given us. It's a gift that God has given us. And it's something that he's given us that is to be used for his glory, to represent him well. You know, every time, you know, after services, we, I've got, uh, we've got kids and uh, one of our, our youngest kid is in kids church. And we always like to ask, what did y'all talk about today? What, what, what was the conversation? What was the topic about? So Jenny was on the way home with our youngest last week. It was just him and her. And they were talking. She asked him that question. He answered, told him about what they talked about. We, I encourage parents do that. We do it with our teenagers after youth services. I like to know what Pastor Caleb's telling them. All right. So, I mean, just kidding. I trust him, but I I like to know what they're getting out of it. Right. So, so let's uh, talk to them, talk to your kids. And so they're having that conversation. Then he flips the script and he says, what y'all talk about in big church. And so Jenny begins to explain to him that what we just said, what we talked about and not quite grabbing the whole concept. He said, well, without a doubt, I'm gifted for marriage. This was my son's response. And she says, well, how do you know that? Let's just play along. How do you know you're gifted for marriage? And his response, have you seen me? That. It's his mama's child. It's his mama's child. But I, we had a, a single lady in our church family here, the Bethel family. She sent me a text this week. You know, I encouraged us as a body that we need to treat single, the single people are not a project to be fixed. And when I said that, I got one of the loudest amens I think I've ever gotten. Um, but um, I'm kidding. But 
But we talked about that. I encourage us. Let's not use you know questions like, when are you going to get married? Why haven't you found anybody yet? Let's encourage one another in this regard. She sent me this text this week of a tweet she saw. I don't know the tweeter that tweeted it, but she, uh, she shared it. I thought it was hilarious. I wanted to share it with you. Here's your excuse. From now on, when people ask why I'm not married, I'll just say it's a supply chain issue. That's the problem with everything these days. There's a supply chain issue. So, <laughs> so, all right, we can move on from that. So anyway, I, I do want to mention, because I do realize that being single, it can be difficult. And when you long to have a relationship with someone, you long to have a partner in your life, a spouse, a husband or wife, you know, there, there can be pain that comes with that. So I hope that you understand everything I said last week was not to belittle the fact that there's pain that can come with that. But I also want you to understand that companionship, you don't have to be alone as a single person. Companionship can be found in the community of the body of Christ. And, uh, and, and that's why I encourage the body to not ask questions that push away and bring to the pain, right? Let's do everything we can to help and to heal and to work with and to, to bear one another's burdens and to walk with each other. And while that pain is real in certain aspects of those things that you long for, that you don't have, that you hope to have, that's what, that's why we say, let's bear each other's pain so we can journey through that together. And, uh, whatever stage we in, we're in married or single, we all need God. So that's why we're saying first comes love needs to be our first love of God in our life and in our relationships and in every stage. And one of those stages is dating. I don't know. How many of you remember your first date? Just a show of hands, your first date in life. You remember it. You remember it. Oh man, I saw one hand just shoot up real quick. How many of you, you're married and you remember that first date of marriage? You remember your first married date? There it is. Yeah. We, we put that question out on social media this week. And it was so fun seeing the responses that were coming through. People talking about their first date. Mine and Jenny's first date was at a little local restaurant here in Camden. Sadly, it's not open anymore. Uh, it was beside the Blockbuster, which is sadly not open anymore. Um, and so we're old, baby. But anyway... Um, so uh, you're not old. I'm old. You're beautiful and young. We'll always be young. Um, so um, so we're, we're dating and we're having a conversation. She asked me a question in that lunch. It was a lunch date. She says, I was living alone at the time. She says, do you like living alone? And I answered her and I said, yes, I love living alone. I love my alone time. It's great. It's wonderful. I still to this day do not know why she married me. I have not figured that out. I was not a very bright individual in my life. But but I remember, I mean, it was a great date because that first date led to more dates. And that was a, that was a great, great thing. The dating game, there's a lot of perspectives that come in this. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts, a lot of standards that people have when it comes to dating. And if, and like everything else in life, a majority of dating starts online. We're in a time and a period where so much is online. Do you realize that in 2021, the dating rev, the online dating revenue in the U.S. alone was $1.43 billion. That is a lot of money. They said there was a 30.4 million online dating users in 2020. 30.4 million. And by 2024, they'll be, they're estimating 35 million online dating users. That is a lot of people in the dating game. It's a lot of people dating. 
When I was a youth pastor, I would always, I had youth pastor friends that they, they had very strict standards when it comes to dating in their youth ministry. They didn't allow it. Uh, they, they said, you cannot date in this youth ministry. When I was a youth pastor, I would encourage my youth, my teenagers, I would tell them, you know, I want you to have the mindset that you don't have to date. Because what I saw too often and still see today is the reason they date is they think I've, if I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, something's wrong with me. So their value is found in having a boyfriend or girlfriend. So I would encourage them, you don't have to date to prove your worth and to prove your value, right? I mean, your value is defined by what Christ did for you on the cross. He showed you how worthy you were as a person. And that principle doesn't have to be just for students. I mean, that principle is for everyone. If you're single in this life, your value comes from what Christ did for you. It doesn't come from whether or not you have a relationship. But I would talk to them about understanding that there are seasons in our life when dating is right and dating is good. And I would talk to them about the fact that as a high schooler, sometimes that season may not necessarily be right now. More times than not, that season is not right now. That's not to say that a high school sweetheart can't marry another high school sweetheart. I've seen it happen. It can happen. I am, and, and I don't say this, and please understand, everything I say is not to condemn or convict. But I have a very high belief that as a middle schooler, you're definitely not in the right season for dating. And if you're an elementary student, by goodness, you are not in the the season for having a boyfriend or a girlfriend, right? Because it's all about status in that place. But what about when you are in that season and you want to date, you're ready, you're longing for that significant other in your life and you want to date. How do we go about that? What's the best way to approach it without falling into this messed up concept that we see happening all around us all the time? And, as, and, and for married people in here today, I don't want you to tune me out because just like last week, everything that we talk about and we discuss here and what we get, we can take this and encourage those a part of the body of Christ who are in this stage of their relationship. We can help them. We can journey with them because all of us know that when it comes to relationships, common sense is not very common. So you need community. Because together in community, we can help bring, uh, help, help maintain healthy relationships, especially for us as a follower of Christ. But married people, I also want to encourage you that dating doesn't stop when you get married. You need to keep dating. Keep flirting with each other as a married couple, not with other people. I want to clarify that. I want to make sure we understand and know that. But keep flirting with your spouse. Keep dating each other. Even if it's something as as, as simple as going away to just you and her into another room and watching something together or just having a conversation. Escape. If you have kids, tell them we're going away for a little bit to be just with each other and talk and have a conversation without y'all. We love y'all. What Jenny and I will tell our kids often, and when they were younger, they always, they didn't always like when we went away without them. They're missing out, right? And so 
we would always tell them, if you want us to be good parents, we've got to be good husband and wife. And so we need to go take care of this relationship so that we're good at taking care of this family relationship, right? So I encourage you, you need today, but this is one of those topics. We don't see a lot of, there's really not a lot of scriptural guidance on how to date. You don't see verses about dating, but what you can do is like other topics in this area is you take principles from what you see in God's word and you apply it to what you're dealing with. It's applied wisdom from God's word. So I want to do that with some scriptures this morning to to try to help us out. And I think a great place to start is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I mean, this is a verse that's kind of central to our whole concept here at at the church and the idea that we believe that every person can be transformed and be catalyst for transformation. It comes from this verse. But in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes and he says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. In other words, in every aspect of our life, we have an opportunity to worship God. It's not just what we just did in a very beautiful way, singing together. That's one form of worship that we can do together as a body. But every aspect and every, uh, every part of our life is an opportunity to worship him, to, to provide worth to God, to show other people around us that what we do is to bring him glory. And so that involves even our dating relationships. So in everything that you can do in the relationships that you have in life, live them out as holy and as pleasing as you can before God so that you can show others and tell others, this is an act of worship for me. I'm showing God how worthy he is. I want to bring him glory by how I manage these relationships. And then verse two, he says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, don't get your guidelines for how you date from the customs of those who are not followers of Christ and not building their standards based on what God gives them. And then he goes on and he says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It all starts in how we approach this in our mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, every aspect of your life, God has a good, pleasing, perfect will for that aspect of your life. And that includes your relationships. He has a good, pleasing will for them. So don't copy what you see. Look at God and what he's calling you to and the standards that he's calling you to in your relationships. In his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul wrote these words, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. He says, let no one deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he's wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. In other words, Sometimes we've got to forget everything we think we know to learn the real truth. And then the next verse, Paul says this, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it's written, he's the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And in verse 20, and again, the, Lord's no, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. The message translation translates this verse this way. Don't think you can be wise merely by being relevant. Relevance is being what the culture is. 
And sometimes there's things about the culture that we can glean from and that we can use. But just to be relevant for relevance sake is not good. And he goes on in the message translation. He says this, what the world calls smart, God calls stupid. So we need to look and think and see that we've got to have a standard for how we do things. And, and for most of us in our life, we think, well, for everything that I do, we have this mindset, well, I need to be prepared. So I need to practice, right? I've got to practice to get better. I've got to practice to be prepared. And we, we want to use that concept when it comes to our relationships. And I understand the mindset because most everything we do in life, we say we've got to practice. We've got to work hard to get better. It's in our sports, it's in our work, it's in everything. And for all those things, it typically works because you want to to have a trial run. You want to work at this in this way. You want to do this so when the real time comes, you're good at that. But I don't think it works that way in in relationships, In, in the way that we think. Sadly, I think the only practice we're often getting in relationships when we have one dating relationship after another dating relationship is we're practicing for divorce. Because it just becomes so easy that when everything's not great in a relationship, we just end it and walk away and start a new one. Instead of doing what we should do and work through and grow together and fight for each other. And let's be honest, most of the time when people say, I need to practice, it's in regards to sex. You know, we, we, we think, we, well, I'm not going to know anything. But I like the way Andy Stanley said it, a very simple statement. Romance is fueled by exclusivity, not experience. The only person that we can prepare in a relationship is ourself. We can't prepare another person. We're the only person we can. That's why we're saying that first comes love, but the love that must come first is our first love for God. Because following Jesus makes us better at the things that we do in this life and how we handle situations in our life. Following Jesus is not going to help you find the right person, but following Jesus is going to help you become the right person. It's going to help you become a person that you're hoping to find in someone else and who's probably hoping to find you. And married people, following Christ helps you stay the person that your wife wants to be married to that your husband wants to be married to. Following Christ is so important and becoming what he's taught us to become. Jesus gave us one command when it comes to to love. And he says, love each other the way that I have loved you. And boy, did he put a high standard on love. That is a very high standard. So when it comes to relationships and when it comes to dating relationships, we have got to have a high standard for how we love. And the more intimate the relationship, the higher the standard has to be. See, culture will tell you that physical attraction is everything. And while attraction is important and it is good, 
Because let's be honest, no woman wants to be told, I don't love you because how you look, I love you how you, how you cook. About No woman wants to be told that. Attraction is, is, a poor, is important, but it develops in, in multiple ways. Physical attraction isn't everything. Love is deeper than physical intimacy. And in fact, intimacy will, physical intimacy will distort even how we see the other person. And if physical intimacy is all we have in a relationship, often that relationship doesn't last very long. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. If you don't know the story of Esau, Esau and Jacob were the sons of Isaac. And maybe you've heard the phrase before, or you've tried reading the Bible before, and you often start in the Old Testament when you do that, and you'll see this phrase used over and over and over again, God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Because Esau was the one who was... The, the firstborn, the oldest, he was the one that had the birthright coming to him. But Jacob deceived him and Jacob got the birthright and how that all worked. God came in and he healed those relationships. But what happened was that Esau traded this very special gift for something very temporary. For a single moment. And he lost it because of that point. He had this desire. And while desires are good and can be good, desires can also affect our destiny. So don't let yourself be in a place where feeling good is the highest good for you in your life and in your relationships. See, why did Esau give his birthright for this bowl of stew. I think there's a couple of things. One of them is he took it for granted. He didn't take his birthright seriously. And when you take something special for granted, you don't treat it as special as it is. And then the other thing is he was simply hungry. And when you're hungry, you don't always think rationally. That's why they, they have this word that's been invented. Hangry. Right? That's why you get told, don't go to the grocery store and shop for groceries when you're hungry. Because you don't always make the best decisions. You come home with all this stuff and people are saying, why'd you get that? I don't know, I look good. But see, when you are vulnerable, your values can be easily compromised. So you have to guard yourself from being in vulnerable situations. Psalm 119, David said this. He said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against God. See, God's word keeps us full. And when we're full, we stay focused. Every temptation, when Jesus was, uh, had to, uh, was tempted by the enemy, we see in, in the gospel of Matthew that Jesus, Jesus fended off those temptations every time saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. 
his fullness in the word of God helped him fight off the temptation that was coming at him. But God also, Jesus also said this. He said that my food is to do the will of the father, to do the work of the father. So see, we stay full when we grow in his word and when we do his work, when we serve him. That's why those are a couple of our core values. We say we want to be a people that grow together with hunger and we want to be a people who serve with selflessness because we know that the more we do that in our life, especially together in a community, it makes us stronger to stand against everything the enemy tries to attack us, attack us with. It helps us protect our values. And when we start thinking, man, I'm, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on all this. I'm missing out on all, I'm seeing all these other people doing. God will begin to remind you, no, the only thing you're missing out on is heartbreak, regret, guilt, pain. God is not, not, God's not trying to take away our free fun. He's trying to keep us from devastation. He's trying to keep us from harming ourselves. And let me say this because this is the beauty of the gospel. If you have ever been in a moment of vulnerability and you traded your values in that moment. And now you're facing the consequences that come with trading those values. I want you to know today that God is a God that forgives. He's a God that still loves you. He's a God that restores He's a God that heals. He's a God that renews. So he can do that for you in this life. So let him do that. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his embrace. Let him help you to become a restored person that he wants to help you to become renewed and healed. And then follow him. And remember the words of Peter that he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. He says this. You must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy a desire. Because you didn't know any better then what that was doing to you. But you know now. And then verse 15 says, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. So live with these standards that are high in your life. Your relationships are more than physical. They're emotional. They're spiritual. And you can grow together in those avenues and those aspects of your life. And you can ask God to grow in your character and how you deal with one another, how you love one another. And how you handle those relationships. We follow Christ because as we follow Christ, he's taking us somewhere and he's taking us to that place. That's why we follow him. See, most of what culture teaches us is that love is wrapped up in a feeling. And if the feeling isn't there, then love must not be there. But the word of God teaches us that love is more than a feeling. Love is actually a choice despite what we're feeling oftentimes. A choice to continue to love. So we have to have a high standard for love. And the more intimate the relationship, the higher the standard has to be. 
And a couple more things that we're going to go very quickly on. We need to have a standard and a clear vision about why we want to date. Why are you dating? What is your purpose? Habakkuk, he was a person that was looking. There was a lot of devastation around him. Everything was desolate. He was looking for an answer from God. God began to answer him. And in his answer, he told him to write down what I'm giving you. Write this vision down. Make it plain so that you and everyone that sees it can run with it. Now, again, that doesn't have to do with dating, but you can take that principle and apply it. Because you need to have a clear purpose about why you're doing what you're doing. Because as you have a clear purpose about why you're doing that, you know it. And then the person you're dating knows it. The person you're with knows it. So why are you wanting to date? If you, if you're in that stage, what is the purpose? If it's just to hook up, that's shallow. And it's not going to end well. If it's, to have someone to hang out with, that's friendship. And that's good. And that's where every relationship should start. Take it slow in that friendship. If it's because you do want someone to spend the rest of your life with, well, that's a great purpose, but be clear about it and be honest. I, when I was, before I came here, I was at a little church in Columbia. There was this young lady who visited, we chatted, we decided to go out one night and uh, I was single then. That's why I did. Um, and so we went out on this relate on this date and we're, we're going dinner and a movie and we're talking and she's talking about these cats she has. And I say, Oh, I don't like cats. I'm sorry for any cat lovers in the building. I just think they're the spawn of Satan. So I don't, I'm not really a fan of cat. I'm just <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't, I, but I told her, I don't like cats. And she said, well, that's a problem. I said, why is that a problem? She said, because if we get married, I mean, that's going to be an issue. And I slow your roll, chick. I mean, with this first date, you know. <laughs> but I, maybe I, as I began to think, she must have been way more mature than me because she had a purpose for what she was doing. She had a clear vision about why she was going out with someone. So God taught me some things and I didn't date again until I met that beautiful woman right down there. I'm talking about Jenny Gretchen, not you. You are beautiful though, baby. Keep them humble. So... What is your purpose? Why are you dating? We need a standard for our why. We need a standard for why we're doing what we're doing. And you need another, another standard you need is you need a standard for who? Who you want to date. Believers, followers of Christ, believe we have to start with Paul's words to the church of Corinth in second, his second letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Other translations say, don't be unequally yoked. Why? Because when you're yoked, you're working, you're supposed to be working together. But if you're unequally yoked, you're not working together. You're working against each other. Because you have principles and ideas about how you see life and how you handle things. And the person who is not a follower of Christ, they're going to have different principles than you. 
You're, you're going to see one way to handle money. They're going to see a different. You're going to see one way to handle your marriage and they're going to see a different. You're going to see one way to handle your, your, your family and relationships in your home and raising children. They're going to see different. You have got to be clear about who you're dating. And always remember, dating is a road that leads you on a destination. And the further you go down that road, the harder it is to get to take the exit ramp. So before you start that journey, you need to know where that destination is taking you and where you're going. Your standard for who you're dating needs to be high. Are they a person who is pursuing and following Christ in the same way, in the same avenue that you as a follower of Christ are doing? What can you learn about their character as you are out and doing things? How does that person love others? Do they have the same standard for love that you do? How do they treat their relationships? This is why you need to date in community. Yes, going out from time to time or going out by you, you and them and is important because you get to learn to know each other, avoid uh, distractions. But I would encourage do that in public, not in isolation, because in isolation, that's when the vulnerabilities rise and the values fall. So guard it. But that's why dating in community is so important because you get to see how they interact with other people. How do they treat their parents? If they have siblings, how do they treat their siblings? How do they treat their other friends? Are they a person that keeps their word with other people? Are they a person that can keep a job? (laughs) Do they show themselves to be a person headed down the same road? that you are in journeying with Christ. And again, like I said, uh, beginning, anything I say is never with condemnation. And I say this the same way. This is not with condemnation. I speak this with love, but I want to encourage you today. I don't believe that learning about your who is best done in living together. If you're a follower of Christ, striving to follow him and honor him in your relationship. I honestly don't know how you do that living together and avoiding the temptations that come with that. There are scriptural consequences that come in honoring God's plan and design for sex. And there is a plan and a design for that. We're going to talk more about that next week. I challenge you to consider that. I also challenge you to think about the fact that everything we see scripturally, that's why this is said that in marriages, in vows, I honor to love you for better or for worse. Because everything we see in scripture is that love, like we said earlier, there's going to be moments of worse that come out in our relationships and we learn to love through that. But oftentimes living together is simply defined by better. And as soon as worse comes, it's just easier to walk out and leave. Well, we don't have to live together anymore. So I would simply ask, if you're a follower of Christ and you're living together, why not just get married? 
and to ask yourself that question because the answer to that question may reveal a lot about what's in your heart and about what God needs to heal in you right now. Listen, we are all broken people. We are all, whether we are single or married, we are broken and we all need Christ. That's why first comes love. But the love that comes first has to be our first love for God. Because in our brokenness, his love helps heal. And his love helps keep that relationship in a place that it needs to be in the journey that it's going. So don't be afraid of having high standards. Paul told the church in Ephesus, he said, God can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you think or imagine. That wasn't talking about dating, but why not apply that principle to your life? Expect amazing things and let God exceed them. He did it for me. He exceeded my dreams in my relationship. He's exceeded my dreams with my children and my family. And I believe he's going to continue to exceed those dreams and the visions and the thoughts that I had. Because we're doing everything we can to first love him. We're not perfect. We're broken. And there's been moments that healing has had to take place. And that can happen for us in our life no matter where we are and what stage it has gotten to. Don't ever insult God by thinking that you're too messed up for a relationship. God can heal you and make you new. And married people don't ever think that your marriage is too messed up for God to heal it. That's what God does. He heals and he restores. But even if it's long beyond that, and divorce has already happened, he can still heal you. He can still restore. And he can help you for that next walk in your journey. Stand with me this morning. So I just want to close today by praying for you. By praying for you in your life as a single and as a married person. That God will just continue to help you and guide you those stages. Heavenly Father, we come to you today knowing that you, you are the author of everything in our life. God, you have a script for us. We want to do everything we can to honor you in the design and the plan of what you have given us. Father, as a single, as single people in this room today are journeying on that journey, I pray for them, Father, that you'll help them. Help them, God, to, to begin to set the standards that you have in place for them how they love how they approach intimacy 
And the more intimate the relationship, let the standards be higher, God. Give them strength to establish guardrails in their life. Give them strength to walk in you and follow you and what you have taught us. Give give us all strength to love each other the way that you loved us. And as we get better at loving God, we're going to get better in all of our relationships. Father, I pray for the person today that is in the middle of this dating game. There may be some in here that are struggling, that are hurting because of it. I pray today that you'll help them find healing. And I pray today that we as a body can bear their, their burdens. We can walk with them and journey with them. Father, I pray that they can find someone, God, that they can have that standard, the clarity about why and who in their life. Father, I pray for married people in this room today that you would just help them to continue to keep the fire for each other and a passion for each other that they have. Help them to continue to be close to one another, to date one another, to love one another, to not let anything come in the middle of their relationship, to keep you first, God. Father, we want to honor you in all that we do. So let the love that comes first in our life be our first love for you. Heal us. Renew us, restore us, strengthen us, God, to walk in you. We give you praise for it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to request prayer or send us anything that you would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.